What up, what up? It's your boy, SB Report 706, Archie Week on Twitter. This is Dirty Burn Nation Report, the unofficial official podcast on Fox Twitter. Uh, we have the legend, uh, Jalen Muhammad, on with us. What's going on, man? Hi. Shout out to uh, Jeff Queen and Josh. Like, we were actually supposed to record, record together, but the schedules got mixed up, so there might be two episodes this week. If not, then just ignore everything I just said. Uh, so we are coming off a... Uh, what we're calling a dominant victory over the Carolina Panthers uh, for this Falcons team that was reeling prior to the current two-game win streak against our NFC South rivals, or not even rivals, but I mean, the guys in our division. So we probably have, I think we have the Saints and the Panthers, correct? Pretty sure we have one record against everybody. Like, the closest okay, team is the Saints, right. and even then it's like plus three there. Okay, so the bastard children in our division. Uh, we had uh, dominant wins against that, which is kind of surprisingly, Falcons Twitter changed the narrative of what people think about Dan Quinn. So prior to these two wins, Falcons were, like I said, reeling. We were one and seven. You know, the hot seat was piping hot. You know, there's dissension in the ranks. People were getting mad at Twitter videos of the Falcons uh, doing uh, trust drills and footwork drills and enjoying themselves at practice and you know they should be running gassers and hills uh like jeff queen said after we were losing games people should be cut we should blow up the whole organization you know from top down and now we get two w's and all of a sudden it's like you know what maybe dan quinn isn't such a bad coach maybe we should try this again so i know me and you talked about this and I think we have conflicting opinions, but I, I, it's better, obviously, on the podcast than Twitter to try to argue my point. So I just want to know what your thoughts are on the Falcons after that victory, and, and what are your thoughts on Dan Quinn and his potential future as the Falcons head honcho? Uh, on the win, like I said before we started, I, I didn't watch any, like, this game or the Saints game that we won until, like, halftime because I was sleeping. Did not really care enough to watch it because I was expecting them to get completely demolished. And it, they actually did the demolishing this time, which was insane to me. It was actually enjoyable to watch, even though I was kind of, you know, with that meme where you have the, the happy face on, but underneath it, you were crying. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure that I've said for the most time, most of this thing that uh, I like Dan Quinn as like a coach. I think these two wins didn't really do much to change like my opinion. I still think everybody needs to go just because I think I needed to be reset. I don't want to go through another year of this and having them magically awaken halfway through the season when the year is done. It doesn't help anybody. It literally just leaves you in purgatory. So unless they like, and even to that notion, I, I think that really the only thing that's really keeping them back from being like really, really good again, beside like a couple of like players is their coordinator the offensive coordinator but i've if you've listened to this before you you know my takes on on that guy that coordinates our offense so i don't i don't think it should change anything but i can see them being like okay if he's doing this well and the coordinators that are here are doing this well with the defense now because i don't know where the hell this pass rush and this defense came from but they're turning into like the legion of boom legit out of nowhere and i don't understand where it came from but unless if people think they can do that again, then sure, bring those guys back. But 
unless you get rid of the offensive coordinator, you're going to be in the same spot. Well, see, that's the thing uh, with that last point about the OC. It's it's been proven and it's been made clear that Dan Quinn is spoiled, right? So if somehow some see, I don't I don't yeah. even know if you could really say he's like to blame per se, because as much as I hate it, like Sark and everybody hates Shanny, those are two. Well, Shanny was an a really good coach, so I would say he's like one and a half out of three. Like he has like a almost a fifty percent success rate on them. I just think he was confused on what he should should be doing, which is definitely still his fault. Like I'm not absolving him from blame. He's definitely to blame for like some of that stuff. But I just think he also kind of got dealt a bad hand with. Uh, and I'm pretty sure like there weren't there reports saying that he wanted like Kubiak because like they literally waited a couple weeks for him, and then the Broncos said he wasn't. Available. available and then they went inside yeah. Curter, cutter i'm pretty sure he wanted kubiak so i'm pretty sure he like knew what he wanted he's had to settle for less after that but still he couldn't find anybody besides yeah, cutter, yeah. and i'm pretty sure his offense would be fine I, I get you couldn't get the uh the the bread 11 jordans but you're not going to go to like pay less and get some fucking shack shoes after that bro you know what i'm saying like there's what you mean shack notices are lit i'm just saying like like you said, there were better, there were better options, or at least if you're gonna, you know, go that low. And I get it, I get the, uh, uh, the continuity that you'd have with Matt or whatever. But there's a lot of people that kind of saw the writing on the wall with that. And if that's the case, just try something new. Like at the worst, you're not gonna be worse in this offense now. You know what I'm saying? With these players, so I, I get what you're saying. But my thing is, if if DQ happens to survive. I feel like that somehow he'd be like, you know what? You know, just from prior uh, small sample sizes, he'd be like, oh, you know, remember the first year with Shandy, it was rough, and then the second year, and then the same with Sark. And then, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. And that's why yeah. I still think I am of the, the mindset that regardless of what happens this season, short of going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, he's got to go. He's got to go. Because like you said, it – it it shouldn't take to utter desperation with this season to make the moves and make the adjustments to get your team after a small sample size because it's only been two games, two a two game winning streak to get your fan you get your team to perform like this, and like you said, it's even more frustrating when you see games we lost that if we had apparently these adjustments or coaching or a couple of plays made here and there that. We're in a different discussion as far as, you know, making a playoff push versus just being spoilers for other teams. So, again, I, I can't I can't ride with the idea of just because we had two dominant games against division opponents. that now all of a sudden, you know, this this old dog has new tricks. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. Yet. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not there either. I think that. They do this every year besides the first year of Dan Quinn, where after the bye week, they turn it literally the second half of the season. They literally turn into world beaters out of nowhere. Like, it's happened every year, even in the Super Bowl when they lost like two straight games and then won like six straight. Like, it just didn't, it didn't make any, it didn't make any really sense. Like, they just magically turned it on. I don't know where that comes from or like if they just have like a refocusing group or something going on in the league. Like, I don't know where that comes from because they do it literally every year. So, 
And on the, the coaching thing, I'm pretty sure, like, if we if we can believe reports, unless people are just trying to save face, which is very possible, especially if they know they're about to get fired. Like, he's been trying to make adjustments since, like, week four. Like, he said he's given up play-calling abilities to, like, people low-key since, like, a while ago. I just don't know why. All of a sudden, he makes one extra move, and this is what changes everything. And that just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, I don't know. Maybe it clicked in players' heads, maybe better, or like people are just saying the right things now. I don't know what's going on. It's just very, very like weird. Well, and yeah, and again, that's it's kind of like people now, now after two wins, people are trying to divvy up the blame pie in a way that kind of absolves Dan Quinn from. And it's kind of like, okay, well. You can't keep passing the buck upward and downward. At the end of the day, like, for example, I, I had a discussion with somebody about Vic Beasley as far as, you know, possibly retaining him. And, again, Vic Beasley is the lightning rod and the whipping boy for the Falcons' defense. And some people get on to the idea that Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn is going to ultimately lose his job because of his quote-unquote loyalty to Vic Beasley. And the question was, all right, well, cool, you know, if uh you know get Beasley out of here and I'm like okay well if all of a sudden Dan Quinn get a second chance because of his resurgence which is kind of ultimately tied to some of the resurgence of the defense to include Big Beasley who's had what two sacks in the last two games or a second two and a half two and a half mm-hmm. so it's kind of like okay well all of a sudden DQ can get another you know swing of the bat then what's stopping that from Big Beasley and the caveat to that for me was that you know if he restructures his contract and takes less money. I'm fine with that. But he's like, oh, you know, well, Vic Beasley has failed to develop pass rush moves and blase, blase, blase. I'm like, okay, well, who's Vic Beasley's coach? Like, who's in charge of making sure he either performs or doesn't play? And I tried to Google it, but he tried to say that uh, Vic Beasley was benched recently. I'm pretty sure that had been a huge story. I couldn't find it in my Google research. But had, Who said he got benched or? recently? I can look up the tweet, but yeah, somebody said like, oh, well, he was benched for a little while and wasn't playing. I'm like, eh, well, I don't know about I that. I mean, but. define bench because playing less snaps so, you know, you could get other people in the court is completely different than being benched. Like, if you, and even then, I don't even think they could really, like, completely bench him because they don't have people, they don't have bodies at that spot. Like, they can, you know, limit his snap count from maybe 65% to, like, 45%. But even then, that's just a ploy to just try to get him to be, like, fresh when he's rushing the passer. Like, I don't think that's anything, like, disciplinary. Because, like I said, Vic has been, like, one of the two or three best edges on the fucking roster all year. Well, and, and that was my, my counterpoint. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to keep the guy that can't get the guy to play correctly or get him out of the game, to send the message like, hey, your style of play or your effort is not acceptable – then like that doesn't that's hustling backwards like it's the same guy if you can't get inside of his top guy you can't expect all the stuff for him get of every kind of makes sense all right actually I, I found the tweet right here all right so your boy finesse king album finesse finesse in israel replied 1990 game if vic beasley ends up with at least 10 sacks in the end of the season would falcons want to bring it back he said no I said, why not? If folks want to bring DQ back, why not bring back Vic? His response was, Vic sucks and hasn't proved to make adjustments. Quinn probably a little too late, but made the changes. And I was like, who's ultimately in charge of Vic? 
Vic is, he said, Vic is in charge of not developing moves outside of speed rush. Okay, and I said, who's allowed, who's allowed, who's in charge of allowing him to still start if that's the case? And he said he wasn't started the last couple games, then Kaminsky got hurt. That's where I got lost. I'm like, Link, guy, didn't see him ever get benched. But my point was, if you argue Vic was wrongly evaluated misused, which led to a lot of the hate that he gets. If he's willing to play for less, keep him. If DQ can get another shot, not Vic. And we just kind of went back and forth in that, blah, 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 blah. But okay, the idea so- to get rid of an athlete that we already had that you could argue is not being used correctly, or you could have a come-to-Jesus moment and he you know, finally unlocks his potential or whatever. You know what's crazy about that? Somebody else that we don't know anything about. You know what's crazy about that? They've taken like turns dropping him and uh, Vic and um, Jack Crawford into like covers recently. And every time that they do, that man, like, they've never like attacked his own because he's always been like sticky as hell. <laughs> like, he, he's a very fluid athlete. Like, I, I've been saying this whole time, he should have been playing linebacker a long time ago, but you know, they kind of failed him in not getting him to that point. But on, yeah. the, John, on the John Kaminsky thing, like, I'm a fan of Kaminsky. I think he'll be he'll be uh, actually pretty decent. I don't think he'll ever be like a 15 plus sack guy like consistently. I think he'll eventually get to like five or so a game, really good run defense, which is fine. That's a good player for like the what fourth or so round they took him in, which is fine. But they didn't really they 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 ramped up Kaminsky's like numbers because he's been playing well, but that was because you can't really get less than that with all the injuries that they had or, like, nicked-up player, because he was only playing, like, four snaps a game, and half of them were on special teams. He only played, like, four mm-hmm. defensive staff, and the rest were on special teams. So, like, you can't say he got benched for him when he just played more, because, you know, you kind of have to play more if people aren't playing well. Like, you're trying to find something to work. And it wasn't just him, because Tack has been hurt recently. Like, Adrian Claiborne, until, like, the last couple of weeks, has been, like, nicked up and not playing as well. Like it's just, it's not just a victim. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned tag because uh this one dude, Adam at Holloway A twelve, he tweeted after uh tag uh what do you post? Uh there's a tag McKinley tweet and he's like we beat Panthers today and he's showing a a picture of pretty much tag sacking uh the quarterback for the Panthers. And he's like, oh, we need to protect at tack at all costs. And I was like, yo, well, fans hated him last week. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all are wildly inconsistent, man. Like, and again, somebody said that uh, what tack was essentially Vic Beasley with more personality and more active on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, a week ago, tack need to go. He was trash. Now all of a sudden, protect him at all costs. Like, boy, oh boy. I hope y'all don't live y'all's regular lives with the same fucking wishy washy seesaw mentality that y'all do with the Falcons because boy oh boy I'd hate to be around y'all because this is out of control out of control yeah, it, that doesn't make much sense to me everybody's praising tag like now and everybody was saying like literally a week ago that he needs to be like cut like fat tag was literally the same player he's been all season he gets a shit ton of pressures and which is literally what his game is because he doesn't have, like y'all keep saying, it's Vic's fault. Tack doesn't have any other fucking pass rush moves without a damn bull rush. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, only thing that, the, the, the only thing that, is, that people can say about that is that Tack's bull rush works more because 
he he's, he's, he's actually he's bigger and he's like functionally stronger which is like okay that's that's cool he's not getting sacked just like Vic isn't getting sacked so what if y'all are if y'all problem is with him not having moves then I can understand but everybody's saying he's just not getting sacked Tack literally got his what third sack over the last two games and he's just gonna get a shit ton of pressure which is fine you don't need all the sacks all the time like pressure counter turnovers as you saw with Kyle Allen last last game it's just if you're gonna if you're gonna have put a standard on somebody, put the standard on everybody. Well, actually, let me give you the response. Oh, Tech McKinley doesn't make thirteen million dollars a year. That's the response to that. That's why he doesn't get the uh, brunt of the hate that Vic Beasley gets. So, if Tech was a yeah. top eight pick, had sixteen and a half sacks, went to was an All Pro and a Pro Bowler, he would absolutely get the same amount of contract as Vic. Facts. So. <laughs> Hey man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just out here, you know, like let people know what's going on in the Twitter streets with a Falcon Twitter. It's uh it's uh, anarchy and chaos per usual. So, um, I, I guess we could uh, preview this week's game because we always forget that uh, we have another division opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I, I feel like Falcons fans on Twitter are setting themselves up for failure. Uh, looking at a. Uh, Jameis is still starting right before I make this next one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were making a statement that Jameis has thrown X amount of interceptions in the last couple of games, right? And they're saying this like, you know, after these two dominant wins that the Falcons, which they could be, are, is this new defensive uh, powered, you know, juggernaut or whatever, and that they're just going to come in and destroy the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. As if Jameis Winston doesn't have one of the all-time greatest Fucking well, great for them, but terrible for us. Fucking highlight reel on the Falcons' defense in Falcons' history, at least top five. Like he doesn't God, come in ball games, bro. He literally and his like six games that he's they, played against the Falcons or whatever the they, fuck it is. He's like like eight. He has like eight touchdowns, five interceptions, like, like hundred like thirty pass rating. Right. Yeah. Like so, he's literally goaded. Like every time he plays the Falcons. So I'll tell you guys now, if you listen to this for the game, man, like any given Sunday, man, take it game by game because don't don't get your, your hopes too high that this is the new Falcons team. Because, again, you got to keep showing me, man. You got to keep proving me that you guys are, are changed, man. Like, because we, we've I, seen I, for one, hope they before. keep this up. I hope they keep this up until right after the Saints game. Until the Thanksgiving game, because if they blow it, like if they beat the Saints on Thanksgiving, I could care less about what happens the rest of the season. They can win every game, they can lose every game. I would not care. Just like like I said before, like I always said, like I always said that I I thought they were going to win. They're going to win one of the games against all their division opponents. That's why I said uh, four and twelve. I feel like they were going to win like one against the Saints, one against the Panthers, one against uh, the Bucks. So if they can make that two against the Saints and one and one against everybody else, I would be successful with the season. The only the only reason I believe that's a possibility is because we, we took one at home with the Saints. So that's that's a that should be a tough place to play. And coming to home to play in Atlanta, which again, regardless of what the record is for our team, um, if you've never been to a Falcon Saints game, it is 
it, again, it's it's a crazy environment. I'm not gonna say it's like a college football environment, which I have yet to no, experience. Nothing literally matters when the Saints and Falcons play. Your team could be exactly. 0 10 going against to against these teams, and that game will end up being the closest game you'll ever see in your life. Like it doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing, everything yeah. off the table. Yeah, all that shit about oh, fans are gonna be in the seats and fans are selling their tickets. They will be there for that game. So hopefully. The Falcon supporters and uh, fans and loyalists go out there and make a lot of noise so we can, you know, shock the world, sweep the Saints, because that's kind of the, you know, one of the only things we'll be able to hang our hats on going to the next season that we beat those bums twice in one year and continue to widen the gap in the series. But again, like you said, with division games, they're always going to be close. Um, hopefully, the players' heads are still in the game, being that it's that close to uh, what well, is Thanksgiving essentially. Um, so it's 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 not going to be a cakewalk, but again, if we continue this upward trajectory and the if the offense starts paying their half of the rent and performing at the level that we know they can or we know they should or expect them to, then I think there will be a lot of satisfied Falcon fans come the end of that game. And again, that that would be the crown jewel of the season. And like like you said, I feel like a lot of fans will not care what happens after that, but. Going back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what are your thoughts on them? What do you think? We think we're gonna win? Are we gonna lay an egg? Are we gonna revert back to what we used to be? Like, uh, the the Bucks have a very, how do I say, interesting team. Like, they're good enough on offense, but you have the Jameis factor, like, on see, I can't even say that, because, like, usually the, the biggest problem with the Bucks offense is Jameis, but he's playing the Falcons, so he might end up being, you know, legendary. And unless the defense can, like, get pressure, which they very well can, the Tampa Bay offensive line is not that good. But who knows? We don't, like, you can go off the last two weeks and say, yeah, sure, they're going to, but we don't know anything, to be honest, like, so you could do you could do that, and their defense isn't like. Besides, like one or one and a half players, they don't have any good pass rushers. Their safeties are decent at best, and their corners are complete trash. But then again, you have Dirk Cutter, and it doesn't really matter about anybody else because he is fucking garbage. So it's a bunch of like unknown things that could happen. I personally think they'll win, but I don't think it'll be like a dominant victory. I think they'll win by like ten. But that's it. I mean, that's just if everything goes right. I don't know what the fuck. To, I don't even know. I can't gauge this team anymore. Whatever team sure comes out this week will, will will tell you. Like I don't know. So so, uh, so, uh, so you think they'll win? I hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have to say I I think that they're going. I hope they win, but I think that. For whatever reason, they're gonna lose only because the prior sample, not sample size, the rest of the season we have seen that this this team is not for whatever reason being coached properly, which they are now. I think we might come back to earth because again, a lot of people are riding this high. But previous engagement with Javis Winston have not been, you know, positive. He plays out of his mind for whatever reason. I don't know if he's like I don't know, maybe you want to be a Falcon. I don't know. But uh I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to say we we drop this one for no reason that 
I just think that maybe these last two games were a flash of a pan, flash in the pan, and they just kind of turned up. And I don't know. I'm, I'm open to being wrong, but you know, it is what. If it they is. lose, I hope they lose like early because they <laughs> play the Saints on. I'm pretty sure on like Thursday, right? Yeah. So yeah, if they lose, I hope they lose early, and I hope they lose big early, so you know, we can rest everybody, so we can at least get some kind of fucking rest for the Saints game. Yeah, that that too. Um, yeah, but so with that, we're at a point with uh, Dan Quinn. So if they were to lose the game, do you think the uh, the narrative swings back to where it was with hey, actually I am. It is going to swing back there. That's the easiest, laziest thing to do. Like, hey, oh, you know, we thought we had something different, you know, but, you know, it's back to the same Falcons, which uh, kind of ties to my neck. So they win, right? Cool. Let's say they win out. And they, and I'm, I'm speculating. I'm just kind of, you know, foreshadowing, doing my little Doctor Strange thing. But let's say the scenario where they went out the rest of the season and decided to fire Dan Quinn, right? Cool. Then the next season, with whatever new coaching staff, they start out slow or they don't start out great or they look bad. Are they going to turn around and be like, oh, should have kept Dan Quinn because he had this fire run at the end. You know, the players really rallied behind him and blase, 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 blase. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, there's a narrative of people that the players are playing for Dan Quinn. And again, I think they're playing because they get paid. They're professionals. Uh, they want to put good film on for other teams that might want to sign them or just for their contract purposes. But what I was going to say when we were uh, talking on Twitter was that I think the only way you could justify Dan Quinn staying is just like the players, like, yo, they like, hey, guess what? You know, we're, we're going to take ownership for how we played. Um, we really want him to stay. You can you can see the evidence that once we made adjustments, we were good to go. You know, I, I say there'd be a lot of uh, caveats to that, saying, "Hey, you know, we got to get uh, Dirt Cutter out of here. We need to make some other adjustments and maybe uh, delegate stuff more out, delegate stuff out more because we see that you're not really great at managing, you know, the defense, I guess." But I, I feel like unless the players like come to his defense, then he's got to go. You know what I'm saying? Because again, if they're if they are playing for his job or playing for him, like people would like to say, because it sounds good, it's a good story. Then sure, no, I'm pretty sure they back. are. There's not been a like in all of his years of being a coach. There's not been a single player that has been like, I don't like playing for this coach, or like there's not been any rumblings. Everybody loves him. He's like beloved in the locker room. I'm pretty sure they're playing for him because they actually like him. Well, but isn't that a problem too, though? Because you could you could look at other teams like the Patriots who. You could argue people don't necessarily like playing for them, but they get results and championships. So maybe that. Maybe I mean, nobody has said anything bad about Bill Belichick either. It's that like he's like one of the nicest people in, in the place. He just is very strict. Well, okay, yeah, but we've the, seen that. the thing is the thing is like they're like we keep saying like I try to uh, preach they're they're humans too. If they don't yeah. like where they're gonna work, they're gonna get out of it. They they're literally going to find a way out of that situation. Nobody had really asked for a trade. Nobody had really asked for a release. Nobody's like that, any of that. But I don't think it's a like a likability thing. I think like I'm pretty sure they're like they're playing for him because they like him, but like you said, they're also playing for other reasons. It just in case he doesn't get retained. Because at that point they can only control what they can control. Which is also the problem with that earlier this 
early part of the season went too because they could have controlled playing better. They could have controlled talking better, but they kind of sucked at it. So it'd be kind of their fault, but I'm pretty sure, like we keep saying, they're professionals. They'll bounce back from either way. But I do think they are all in on Dan Quinn bars. We shall see. Again, I'm not necessarily trying to advocate for him to be fired, even though I kind of am. But it, I say it in the in the vein that I just want what is best for the Falcons, whether it's Dan Quinn or whether it's insert random coach out there in La La Land that's looking for a job. If if that ultimately keeping Dan Quinn is going to make this team more successful, then whatever, make it happen. I just want to see the Falcons win, host up Lombardi Trophy in my lifetime, and you know, just just what we're supposed to be is be great. So. That, that's kind of my take on that, but pivoting to uh, greatness. So there's a narrative on Twitter about Devontae Freeman, right? Now, in, at Devontae Freeman's peak in a vacuum, he is a great player who has been riddled by injuries recently, which is understandable. The NFL is the most physical game in the world. He plays the toughest position, uh, well, the most physical position, I guess, as far as taking punishment and then having to block big yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> there's this narrative that, you know, like, hey, we should have traded Freeman to Detroit and, they, oh, we don't need Freeman. And I've just been seeing some wild tweets, guys. Wild, wild tweets. So the first one I want to run through with, with Jalen is uh, from uh, Matt Carley, who I think he said has blocked him. He's blocked him before. Yeah. So the tweet from a Will McFadden was, the Falcons feel confident heading into a game with running back Brian Hill having a lead role. And Matt said, but not confident, quote-unquote, enough to deal Devontae Freeman. Hmm. So I'm like, I responded, like, how, is, how else are they supposed to feel if Free is injured? Are they supposed to come out and say, yeah, I'm not sure about this guy who might have to start. You know what I'm saying? And his response was, the point is either A, caught them in a lie and they're not comfortable with Hill as a running back, or B, they just told on themselves for botching the Devontae Freeman trade negotiation with Detroit. Either scenario does not look good on them. And I said, the thing is, without two injuries, they wouldn't really have had a chance to evaluate Brian Hill to form an opinion. Kind of can't have one without the other. And it's a bit unfair to frame it like that. Hopefully he's a viable option, not a flash in the pan. He responded, I think the sample size has been large enough to form an opinion on Hill. And to be clear, I'm a big Brian Hill fan and agree with DQ that they should have the confidence in him as a running back one. That's why I thought the team should have traded Devontae since they're likely to cut him in 2020. I'm like, it couldn't have been if they're now just coming to this conclusion by way of injury that where my thought process comes from, it'd be more an indictment on uh, TD and DQ, if he was an RB1 to draft him, to cut him, draft another running back, just turn around and bring him back. And he didn't respond after that. They so, drafted two running backs. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. I, I just mean, like, I guess we got value out of Edo. But um, yeah, there, there's people on Twitter. And let me pull up these tweets. Let me pull up these tweets. But yeah, people are, after we got the W. People are now have formed the coalition that I will call the Brian Hill Hive or the Olison Hive. So uh, at her little stove, she tweeted, Olison should have been active the whole fucking time. And I'm seeing these tweets, I'm like, oh shit, Olison bought out too? That's what's up. Or Brian Hill bought out. 
And then you had the homie uh, Amber talking about, oh, something on the line is the same thing, like, oh, Brian Hill and Olsen should have been getting more playing time. And then the homie Steve, he was wilding out too. So Adder Little said, we don't need freedom in my opinion. And Steve said, ain't no opinion, it's facts. All right, cool. So I'm like, all right, Ben, let me go, let me go check the stat line. Let me see how those guys did or whatever. All righty. Brian Hill had 15 carries for a whopping 30 yards, averaging 2.0 yards per carry. And again, we know yards per carry is a fake stat. It's all about success rate. But again, if you're averaging two yards a carry, I can't imagine your success rate was positive. All right, let's go down to Quadri Olison. He had four carries for a whopping 11 yards with a higher average of 2.8 yards per carry and one touchdown. So, and the tweet I put in is, Hill and Olsen should have been active, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, cut free, exclamation mark. Huh? What did I miss here? So please, people out in the Falcons Twitter, let me know what y'all saw that I didn't see that have y'all calling for these guys that have been starting the whole time. Because, again, neither of these guys could push out Edo Smith for a, a secondary role as a running back. But all of a sudden, because they averaged 2 and 2.8 yards a carry, I only think we rushed for more than like 60 yards the whole game. But now these guys should have been on the roster getting all, all kinds of carries and touches. Like, what what is the – What's the what's the show your work? Show me the show me your work. How you got to this this conclusion? Because I'm I'm baffled right now. I'm pretty sure the like most successful runner was either Julio or Calvin Ridley. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's, I mean, Jalen, am I missing something? Is there something that that I'm not no, seeing? No, no. When I rewatch the when I rewatch the game, it's like like this isn't even like an indictment on the Falcon running backs. It's just again, in Dykeman on Dirt Cutter and the way the offensive line does it, because they're, they're just not running the correct things, and it's like easy to, to scout and give to give credit to the uh, Panthers. They have two or three really good uh, defensive tackles over there in Don Terry Poe, old friend, and Jared McCoy, old hater. So, like, they have, like, good players on that end, which is fine, but you can't constantly run the same draw up the gut and expect people to like get consistent yards on that. Like, well, coming into that game though, didn't the the Panthers, Panthers had like, like the worst, the worst, like one of the worst run defenses in the game? So again, you were, if I'm not mistaken. All right, I mean, our run defense has been fine. Besides the Viking game, they've been actually good at that. That's no, been the one thing that they've no, been good I'm, at. The Panthers, the Panthers had the worst running defense yeah. in the league. At the, oh, it was awful. And they held us like eighty yards on like fifty carries. Okay, yeah. So that again, we'll, we'll see next week. You know, they're gonna get their their chance to to show their skills again. And again, I like I said, I hope these guys are viable options because Freeman's probably not gonna be here next year. But the idea that these guys should have been starting the whole time or that they're better than Freeman is 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 laughable. It it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So with that tweet, uh, shit. So I, I posted the tweet to Steve. So I'm like, yo, dog, you about to be on the list. And I'm like, yo, I got tweets saved. And I brought the tweets out. And he reposted a tweet of Freeman stats. Talking about free isn't doing that much better. 
but that's just me. I'm like, well, coming off an injury and playing behind a suspect line, sure. But to say we don't need free after a terrible rushing game against the worst run defense in the league at the time is disrespectful and delusional. And then Josh was like, well, at least I said Swift behind free, sit behind free. I'm like, cool. You know, what round is Swift projected to go in? And he was like, well, not sure, but I say no later than the second round. And I was like, yo, we got more pressing needs than a running back in round two. But according to Steve, we don't need a running back because of the great rushing performance we got out of Hill and Olison. You know what I'm saying? If, if those guys are so great that they should have been starting getting these carries, I guess, over free and Ito because that's the, the the carries they'd be taking from, then why would we need to draft another running back? And Josh said that Ito is injury prone Hill is decent, but his vision of pass protection is shit. And I'm like, bro, like, what makes you think Swift would be better at those things? Injury prone is a, is a stretch. Dude plays running back. You're going to get hurt. It's the game. You know what I'm saying? And I don't Josh, think there's a single running back, like starting running back in the league, that have have at least one like missed a couple of games because of an injury. I can, maybe Zeke, but even Zeke had like a had like an ankle injury for like four weeks. So it's, yeah, it's like bro, you act like Swift is gonna come into the league and be like immune to concussions, dog. Like what are you what are we talking about, Josh? What are we doing, bro? Like, but again, he's a a rabbit UGA fan who just wants uh Seems to just want University of Georgia players on the team, regardless of the needs of uh, the rest of the Falcons team. But I, I get it. I mean, it it kind of brings your investment level into the game up a little bit, a couple points. So, but um, <clears throat> shout out to the Brian Olson, uh, Brian Hill, uh, Quadre Olson Hive that has erupted. You know, I'm not going to be king of that one because I currently am the king of the Tico Hive. So, again, a lot of Falcons fans earlier in the season were complaining when your boy Tevin Coleman would have good games for the uh, 49ers. And I made the joke on Twitter that it's crazy. The only time I know that Tevin Coleman is playing as alive is when the Falcons players tweet about him, right? Because he had that one game where he had four touchdowns. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you let the wrong guy go. Oh, I miss Tevin Coleman. Oh, you know, we said Tevin Coleman was a good running back and couldn't do this, but free could and ha ha ha, key key key, whatever, whatever. So, you know, during the game, as the Tevin Coleman uh, president, stand club director, I was like, "Yo, Tico Hive checkpoint, what up?" Nobody responded. Cool. <laughs> then I was like, "Yo, Tico Hive," and I posted his uh, stats for the game. Tevin Coleman had 12 carries for 14 yards. And, uh, you know, some people, for whatever reason, because I'm the T- I'm Tico Hive, so they got mad at me like I was trying to center. I was like, yo, dog, like, I'm just putting out these, uh, I'm just putting out this, this, this gospel right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is y'all's king. You know, this is who y'all guys wanted. This is who you guys clamor about and cry about on Twitter all day. But yet again, when there's there's facts to show that, you know, he is what he is, you know, people don't like that, you know? And again, I've posted tweets with uh, common opponents. And matter of fact, Tico had two shots at the Arizona Cardinals and did not get what Devontae Freeman got in two games against the Arizona Cardinals. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we got to stop. We got to stop the madness, guys. Like, if, if you're going to be on Twitter, just know that if you say something stupid, I'm going to save your tweets and read them and make you feel stupid. Because it's not that serious, bro. Like... If you want to be a Tico Hive so bad, go be a 49ers fan, dog. Like, 
I am a 49er fan. Thank you very well, much. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> but the, the hypocrisy in Falcon Twitter is just like the, it's just people are lunatics, man. Like this shit is hilarious to watch, man. Like keep that same energy. When he's getting four touchdowns, sweet about him. When he's getting fourteen yards, sweet about him. You know what I'm saying? And again, Tico's on my fantasy team, so like I you might a, I need him might to be, be young, bro. You might be the third best running back on their roster, <laughs> like yeah, running wise. He's, I don't even know if he's the most explosive one because they have because they have knowledge nah, like Breda and Alfred, I don't even know who their like second guy is. But he he ran like a four two or three something like that. He's extremely fast. He had a better vision too. So like, <laughs> well, and you know what the, the strange thing is is I, I know Kittle was out, so I know that kind of just how uh, defense is going to help the uh, Kyle Shanahan offense, but like. Kind of, the, I think the one game or one of the games that kind of put Tico on the map in the uh, Super Bowl season was the game against the Broncos, where he caught that one long touchdown pass. Because mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, Tevin Coleman is a mismatch against all these linebackers and stuff like that. But it doesn't seem like he's being used in that way like he used to, or maybe he's not being as effective. Because I haven't looked at his uh, his stats as far as targets and stuff like that. But again, as explosive as Tico is, or what he showed in Atlanta. For whatever reason, even if you can't run the ball with him, because again, you can't control, you know, some of the block with the line. But if he's that explosive an athlete and that much of a game changer, you find ways to get him the ball in space. You know what I'm saying? To so be again, fair, he got like, down. This, okay, like caveated again, like this is crazy that Jimmy Garoppolo is into like 20 starts now, and we still don't know what the fuck he is. Like one week he'll be like. Really, really good. Then next week he'll be okay. Then he'll be good. Then he'll be trash. Then he'll be okay. Then he'll be good. Like he's the the yeah. one the one constant like unknown thing. But they haven't really been using Tevin like that much in the passing game because they have other running backs that can do that now, and they might just be like better fit for it. That makes like, sense. They use they use Tevin like they use him in uh in Atlanta most of the time. They use him as like the the goal line back because he's six two and like two fifteen. Because like he if he falls forward he gets three yards. Like yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's just it's just funny, man. It's just funny. Actually, shout out to Garoppolo. It, it also funny with him is that a lot of people were fucking d riding him immediately when he uh, came out the, the uh, gates. Like, was he like 7-0 or something like that? He beat that great Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I'm like, oh my god, the Jimmy Garoppolo guy, he's the next coming. He's from the Patriots, blah, 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 blah. And now it's kind of like, eh, yeah. There's a lot of people in uh, sports media that aren't too high on him. So Kyle uh, Shanahan is a miracle worker. <laughs> I, I guess, man. I mean, it's, he's Garoppolo. This isn't a 49 to podcast or anything, but Garoppolo is like the most polarizing player. Like, I don't know what to call him. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I don't know if he's like a game manager. I don't know if he's average. I don't know what he is. Well, people will argue, like, also they had an injury to Emmanuel Sanders, I guess, the week before that game. So they'll say that he doesn't have weapons either. So. You know, and they're still doing this with what they have. So let them get some other pieces. It's to be determined. But some people have already kind of made their determination on Garoppolo. But again, also shout out to Garoppolo uh, for the fantasy football portion of the podcast. So man, I was on like last 40. week. Didn't he do like insanely well this last game? Yeah. So I had to make a decision, right? So I kind of bought in. Well, I didn't buy in, but like in the league I'm in, it's like 14 teams. 
uh, it's like a $200 buy-in, like first place is like $1,000. So at the time, I was, uh, fuck, five and five, playing against another guy that was like five and five. And I was on like a four-game winning streak. So I had to make a decision. I have three quarterbacks. I had Tom Brady was on by. No, no, Tom Brady wasn't on by. Aaron Rodgers was on a buy who I usually started. And I was like one of the top waiver picks. So I was like, shoot. All right, so cool. Brian Hill's about to be a cuff. Let me try to get him off the waiver wire. So I didn't get him, thankfully. But my second waiver was for Jimmy Garoppolo, who got me 30-some points. And I beat the shit out of this dude who was talking about kinds of cash money shit. Pushed him out the playoffs and pushed me into the playoffs. So shout out to Jimmy G. And the crazy thing was, guess who his quarterback was I was playing against? Oh. Lamar Jackson. Oh, bro. Boy, oh, boy. I was sweating, I was sweating bullets, dog. Like, because he put up a solid 30 something points. Yeah, but he was. Again, yeah, I, he, he's, he's insane. <laughs> he's he's yeah, literally man, like an instant 35 points in fantasy this year. This shit is insane. Bro, he's I don't, putting I don't up really, Aaron Rodgers MVP numbers in fantasy football, bro. Doc, I don't really like rock jerseys no more, but doc, I'd buy a fucking Lamar Jackson jersey, dog. Like, that dude is a fucking monster, dog. That don't make any sense. He's so good. But luckily, it makes it so much better because his offensive coordinator like knows what the fuck to do with him. Yeah, that was another thing. Uh, yeah. So whew, yeah. Jimmy G got me 31.7 points. I got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley balled out, so that helped too. But this dude had Tyreek Hill on his team. He got zero points from that dude. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Tyreek got went out after like the first quarter. <laughs> That's why I tweet him like, yo, is he playing or what? But you know what? I wish he, I wish him well, but I'm glad that he was not there. But whatever. Oh, two Lamar Jackson things. This kind of ties in with Falcons. There's a gentleman that tweeted out that hit a, and it goes to your point with that the team buys in the Lamar Jackson knows how to use them. Uh, what is this dude's name? Anyway, some dude on Twitter was like, "Oh, this is what Michael Vick should have been." No, you know what, Jalen Taco, let me pull up this tweet. Let me know if I'm in the wrong. I might have been wrong, but whatever. I'm not. I'm not going. Awesome. Oh yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Blah 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 blah. Did you buy Disney Plus? With what? I am broke, bro. I'm not gonna <laughs> buy this shit. I'm not gonna buy this shit anyway. I don't watch much TV or anything. Yeah, I, I don't I plan on watching. Like, I watch it like. Every night before I go to sleep, I watch like Rick and Morty or like Bob's Burgers or Family Guy just to put me to sleep. And then I wake up in the morning and either turn music on or like just watch something, watch One Punch Man or some shit. Oh, I'm so behind on One Punch Man. Uh, I, it's so funny. I love that show so much. Yeah, but I kind of bought into the Twitter thing where people were like, oh, the, the new studio that's making it doesn't look right. I was like, let me check it out. Like I could kind of tell, but it still was good. But my my problem is, I think they changed the the subbed voice actor, which kind of bothers me. But you know, I'm gonna catch it eventually. Right now, I'm trying to finish up part six of JoJo manga, and uh, I'm watching Doctor Stone. If you don't watch Doctor Stone, I highly recommend it. It's an excellent Doctor Stone show. is fun. It's so good. All right, so the dude, uh, Lex underscore Najee, Naja, tweeted. Ah, uh, he said Lamar, Lamar 
Dex then if he spent his off-seasons reading playbooks and refining his stunner mechanics instead of going out to clubs and fighting dogs? <sighs> I replied, delete this. And then I eventually ended up muting the conversation because I wasn't going to do that. But, oh, man, the, the amount of dog whistling in that tweet to me was the thing that kind of bothered me because, again, Yes, Vic has come out and said that he wasn't the most studious quarterback or whatever. But the way that tweet came across to me and it was framed is that he was pretty much a lazy black athletic quarterback, right? Like, we're not going to act like that every other quarterback or player is, like, absolutely in their playbooks all the time and that players don't go out to clubs. I can't argue the dogfighting thing, except that the, the homie Tribble said that it was his cousin's dogfighting ring. But, you know, it is what it is. People have different opinions about that. But um, the, I hate the narrative that, like, yo, yo, this is what he could have been if X, Y, and Z. Like, that's not necessarily true. Like, going back to Lamar Jackson, like, they have a, a staff that knows how to use him and buys into his talent, right? And we could all we all know just from, like, the – his pre-draft evaluation, people wanted him to be in every other position but quarterback. So I'm a bit sensitive when people speak about, you know, the guys we have, you know, our, our past guys, like, hey, you know, this dude was lazy, whatever, whatever. We're not going to act like the career that Vic had didn't influence some people, people's opinion or how to use Lamar Jackson. Like, I clearly watched the game with Jim Moore Jr. with Michael Vic, and he put him at running back and ran a sweep. Like that, that kind of tells me you have no clue what to do with this guy, which again, with a, a player of that caliber and talent, unique talent at that point in league history, I don't think really anybody would have had the, the creativity or, you know, wherewithal to use him like a Lamar Jackson. Like that's, that's a risk within itself that teams don't want to do. Cause first of all, they don't like drafting black quarterbacks or starting them or allowing them the time to actually be good. Are giving them the amount of rope that they give sorry as white quarterbacks. And hey, you want to hear something facts. funny about Lamar Jackson? Uh, if he keeps on his pace, he'll only be like a little bit like he's obviously a better player than Tyrod Taylor, but he's putting up almost yeah. similar numbers to what Tyrod Taylor put up like when he started in Buffalo, I think, which and is ran insane. Up, his ass up out of there, right? Which is insane. Didn't they run him run him up out of there for the guy that had like more interceptions? Oh, you mean than... yeah, uh huh. The <laughs> glorified tight end playing quarterback at uh, Josh Allen, absolutely. White power. Yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of like, dude, I, he's I so bad, said, bro. <laughs> he's so fucking bad. He has a really big arm. He can make some insane throws at like every once out of like thirty throws, but he's so fucking bad. Yeah, I, I just I just don't like the the idea that Vic was just this lazy bum. He might not work as hard as he could have, but even if he did, people had no clue how to use that guy. So let's, only let's reason why that. only reason why like I can I can agree like kind of and also because the way Vic played it kind of like changed how the league is played now because Eagles Vic was really fucking good. Like, if he played like that all of his like career, he probably would have been considered the best quarterback to ever play the fucking game. Well, who was there? Was, Andy Reid at the time, right? I think so. But which is another thing. Andy Reid is a fucking genius. So there we go. Somebody knew how to use his talent. But yeah, speaking of that, I was actually 
at that game, uh, the Dick's first game back in Atlanta, I paid way too much money for those tickets, and we were going to lose the game until Vic got hurt, and then we ended up winning. So, but it was still a good game. But uh, yeah, man, just just be careful, tread lightly how you speak about like quarterbacks. It's already hard enough for them to get jobs, and uh, you know, Vic kind of ran, so you know, Lamar could fly. You know, kind of. That's how I'm framing it, but it is what it is. We can't act like Lamar Lamar Jackson could easily be on his way out the league if he was on the wrong team. He didn't know how to use him. You know what I'm saying? If he was like on that, the Falcons, if he was on the Falcons and somebody else had Matt Ryan, he would not be as good as he is right now. Like same Kirk coaching staff and everything, because Dirk Cutter is a fucking idiot. So he'd probably have him running uh, jet sweeps and uh, wildcat packages instead of being able to throw the ball and he'd have like a thousand yards throwing on the season total. Yeah, shout out to all the people still like trying to hang on to the notion that he's not good because he's not accurate. Like, bro, do you want wins or not, bro? Like, are we he's really not even gonna... that inaccurate? That's the crazy part. He misses throws, obviously, because he has like he's still like getting his technique better, but he's not like wildly inaccurate. Yeah, again, people just they don't like to admit being wrong. Like they they need to really strip the the title of expert from these ESPN people, man. Like this shit is annoying. I, I retweeted a tweet I t- tweeted earlier this season. Damn, I said tweet a lot of times uh, concurrently, but about their ESPN experts for MVP consideration and fucking Mitchell Trubisky was on that list. What? What actually Trubisky was drafted higher than uh, Lamar Jackson, right? In the same draft, he got in, uh, pick number two. <laughs> oh, he, they traded. They traded up for him. <laughs> Just let that sink in. <laughs> Who will win the MVP? Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, Russell, Philip Rivers. Oh my God! Oh brother, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Out of those like ten quarterbacks that they named, only like three of them are actually like good. Hey man, any given Sunday, but bro, come on, man! Like if y'all, if this is is this all you have to do to get a job, at ESPN, hire me because I'll say all kinds of please. Bullshit. I'll please gladly take that Stephen A. Smith money to spew some stupid shit that. off. I'll take a tenth of that, and you know what? I Stephen A. Smith was one of the people that was kind of down on Lamar Jackson. But you know what? That his whatever he's doing right now is another topic for another day. Because nah, Stephen A. Smith is the most entertaining man the world has ever seen. So. Okay, he's the funniest dude I've ever like with witnessed in sports media in my life. That dude is so fucking funny. He literally has an entire folder of like memes in my phone. So. Holy shit! He's no, so no. funny, bro. I guess, man. I guess, but yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, I don't I don't know where to go from this. I think that was all of our talking points. Uh, I'm still on the on the line of if they either went out or if they get a pick higher than like ten or eleven, somebody's gonna have to catch my fade. That's where I'm at on the season. <laughs> oh yeah, RIP the Chase Young dreams. As I said, it was never gonna happen. We've, we've been knew that shit was gonna happen. The Bengals still haven't won a fucking game. Bro, the Dolphins have won one. People hanging on. I was like, bro, like, come on, dog. What are y'all talking about? Like, please. They're saying, oh, we got extra ammo. We could just trade up. Like, who the hell is gonna tra- let us trade up from like twelve to two to get Chase Young? 
Yeah, man. RIP to those dreams, but now people are on the uh, AJ Espinina, Espinosa, whatever his name is. Now people are like, oh, I'm reevaluating him. He's supposed to be just as good. It's like, all right, man. Yeah, now you're now you're revision to history. Like, it's, it's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> man, whatever. Shout out to all the experts out there, man. That that's definitely not myself. I'm just out here getting these takes off. You know, if you want the analytical stuff, go to Lockdown Falcons or Aaron Freeman. Uh, but if if you want the Twitter nonsense, then this is this is the place for you. This is the uh, the vessel for you. And if you want to get your hot takes off, definitely tweet us. Um, hit us up, follow the page. Uh, Jalen, you have any closing words, sir? Absolutely not. All righty. Well, again, uh, probably going to play Call of Duty. Uh, shout out to the homies. I was on there with a couple of Falcon fans the other day. The homie Reggie, the homie uh, Code, Lo- Loco, Loke, Loke, one of the other homeboys. So shout out to y'all. Um, yeah, this is the uh, Dirty Bird Nation Report's official, official podcast about on Twitter. Hopefully we get another win, you know. We'll see what happens. Uh, We out. Peace.